welcome to Postnatal FAQ. This is the podcast where I, Abby Hollick, put your questions on postnatal recovery to a whole host of brilliant experts. A quick reminder before we start, just as we and our babies are all different, so are our situations. These podcasts are absolutely not intended to be a substitute for seeking tailored one-to-one help and advice from professionals who can assess what's best for you. Do go and talk to your GP or health visitor about any physical or mental health issues you may be experiencing or any doubts you may have. If it's out of hours in an emergency, please do go to your local A&E. I came up with the idea on maternity leave. I've had three babies and each time I've been incredibly shocked at the lack of support and information in the postnatal period. I feel like the focus is on pregnancy and birth and the baby, quite rightly, um, but not at all um, on the mother. So I collected as many postnatal experiences as possible, putting questionnaires up in schools and children's centres and hospitals. And I turned your stories into what I'm calling postnatal FAQs. Many women like myself felt isolated, confused, experiencing identity issues, anxiety after they had their baby. So I hope this podcast series is a kind of, I don't know, reassuring, helping hand in some way that it's a support to you at 2am or 3am when you're awake with your baby. And on today's episode, I got to visit the lovely Rebecca Schiller, mother of two, doula, journalist and author of Your No Guilt Pregnancy Plan, which focuses on pregnancy, birth and the postnatal period. Uh, Rebecca founded the human rights charity Birth Rights, which has convinced her that the postnatal period is critical to women feeling safe and entering motherhood feeling robust enough to do all the things required. It was fascinating chatting to her about how important it is to ask for help. I never had a postnatal doula, so it was also interesting to hear what they do, um, how much they cost. And yeah, there's loads of options available and you can check out Doula UK online, but I will include all the links at the end of this episode. So I started by asking Rebecca what a doula is and why she trained to become one. A doula is a experienced layperson, absolutely not medical, but someone who has supported um, women and families before, um, who often spends time with you throughout your pregnancy, is there um, as a, a birth partner, a supporter, an advocate while you give birth, um, and then comes back afterwards when you're holding that baby and wondering what on earth to do next. Um, some doulas focus particularly on birth, and that's what, what I do. I always give some postnatal support and some doulas focus particularly on the postnatal period coming in um, a few times a week sometimes every day to um, many to listen to be that person who doesn't have an emotional involvement isn't tired isn't your mother-in-law isn't your friend who did it this certain way isn't your sister who hasn't yet had had children someone who's just there for you to listen to how you're feeling to tell you you're doing a great job 
point you to resources, help you practically, you know, a bit of cooking, a bit of loading the dishwasher, a bit of holding the baby while you have a nap. Sometimes a shoulder to cry on, sometimes someone to hear how well you're doing. And the idea of a postnatal doula is to make yourself redundant. So you support a woman until she feels strong and capable and that she's got this and that that she's got her own support network that she's built herself so I became a doula because I had a doula with my um, first baby I went to really great antenatal classes and it turns out our antenatal teacher was a psychotherapist and so she was really fantastic at dealing with what we might need in terms of emotional support and networks and one of the things that she pointed us all to is using a doula that we might need someone who wasn't our partner or our birth partner who'd never done this before who had no experience and who might be a bit stressed and frightened and tired themselves and so I I hired a really lovely doula and her support made a big difference to me and having had no interest in birth or this kind of practical work before I worked in an office I worked for a human rights charity I decided to leave my job and train to become a doula and support other women it was a it was a vocation a kind of weird vocation that everybody in my family and and friendship circle thought was completely crazy but it was something I thought I could do and I knew how important it had been to me to have someone who was just for me absolutely 100% there for me at a time when everything that's happening is pretty extraordinary (laughs) So anyone listening in the postnatal phase who didn't have a doula perhaps for the birth but feels like they would really need that right now, can you post-birth get in touch with a doula and say, I need some support? Absolutely. You might be um, two days post-birth, two weeks, two months. It's not too late. And Doula UK is a really good place to find a doula. They have a directory. You can search for doulas who work in your area. And they also offer a gift voucher service. So if family and friends are wondering what to buy you, particularly if it's not your first baby and you've already got plenty of stuff, instead of them buying you, you know, 17 cuddly rabbits, you know, it might be a nice thing to suggest that they club together and put some vouchers together together for you to have that support and there is an access fund that doula uk runs which if you're feeling generous you can donate to and if you're someone who's on a low income or in difficult circumstances you can apply to that fund to have a doula support you without charge the fund will cover that doula's expenses and the doula agrees to work without and um, without charge you can have a postnatal or a birth doula um, and so that's all available through the doula uk website Last question on on doulas, if you're not on a low income and you do have a bit of maternity leave but you don't have loads of funds, how much realistically can it be? So for a birth doula, it really depends where you are in the country and how experienced your doula is. So doulas who are being mentored, new doulas um, who are being mentored by an experienced doula, which is how Doula UK asks all doulas to prepare will really work for just sort of expenses only so um, you might pay them two three four five hundred pounds for a birth package and that's to come and visit you multiple times in your pregnancy and then to be on call for you for a month so they will not leave the area they will have their phone on all night they will be ready to leave any birthday party any theatre trip have their childcare in place for that month and they will come to you as long as you need them to 
be it 12 or 24 or 48 hours for the birth and then they'll usually come back and see you a couple of times mentored postnatal doulas um, I can't remember what the hourly hourly rate is but I know that experienced postnatal doulas often charge about 20 pounds an hour but again mentored doulas will charge quite a lot less than that and often doulas at the beginning of their journey can provide a really wonderful support and if they have questions if they need support they have in the background a really experienced doula supporting them so that's a great way of having that doula support without paying the higher prices of a a really experienced doula. So as a campaigner as a journalist as a doula you have met a lot of postnatal women are there common themes would you be able to list some of the struggles that that you see that women face that kind of it's not changing that these are the common ones and you hear it a lot the key thing for me is that women often don't feel that they're allowed to put their needs into the picture they're very focused understandably on their new baby how their baby's feeding whether they're holding them right but women in the postnatal period are often feeling physically sore if not in pain and their emotions can be all over the place, particularly if they've had a tough time giving birth, but also because the hormonal roller coaster you go on in those first weeks postnatally is significant and you are sleep deprived. So I think just having somebody to say, Hey, I'm here. How are you? How are you feeling? There's anything hurting? Are you finding it tough? What's good? Is really important. That often doesn't happen. You know, relatives are interested in the baby. No one really wants to hear about the birth. They'll ask. But so I think that's one of the big struggles just to have somebody acknowledge that you are still here. You still matter. You are still important. And it's okay to say, I'm finding this difficult or I'm in pain or I'm freaked out. I think women following from that can often feel that they should be experiencing certain feelings of a huge rush of love particularly if they've had a long journey to having that baby, that they should be just wall-to-wall delighted. You know, this is a time when I should be absolutely skipping around the room. And if it doesn't feel like that, they can feel pretty guilty. I think as well as having somebody to listen, it's also a struggle sometimes to get somebody to pay attention if you are having difficulties. So postnatal wards, we know are wildly understaffed and I think that's one of the problems if you are um, on a postnatal ward for more than a few hours um, it can feel quite isolating and if you are having feeding difficulties or you're in pain it can be a bit tricky to get that care and attention you need and always remind women that it's okay to ask you're not a bother that ward should be appropriately staffed and it is okay to ask for help it's okay to press that bell if you need support the midwives are desperate to provide it they just need they just need a bit more um, time and and um, resources themselves we know breastfeeding support is patchy and so women who um, are planning to breastfeed one of the things I really encourage them to do is Find out some resources in advance so that you have someone you can ring. You know where the drop-in groups are. You don't want to be researching things when you have a five-day-old baby. Do the research beforehand because there are places there that are there to support you. There's a whole range of completely free breastfeeding support services, helplines, often staffed by really nice people trained in listening who'll have a good chat about how you're feeling as well. But you want to know how to access those beforehand so in pregnancy do that little bit of research and I think 
it's not often common for us to talk honestly about our postnatal experiences. Um, And so I think that can be one of the sort of key problems that women find is that they don't feel able to talk about their feelings. I think even knowing that that hard days will come in the in really great experiences and really great days will come in really difficult experiences and that those things are all on the spectrum of normal. Um, so finding people that you can talk to about it, finding a postnatal group, finding a friend who's a good listener, finding people with babies a similar age who aren't competitive and finding a way that you can share honestly what's happening the good stuff, the bad stuff, the stuff in the middle that's really quite dull. <laughs> it's important to talk about that. And I think that is a challenge in the postnatal period when we can feel a little bit isolated, a bit stuck in our homes, particularly if we have a partner who's returning returning to work. And on your first point, to have someone to take the time to say, how are you? Not how's the baby feeding? How's the baby's weight? How are you? Even very recently, I was asked... After I had each of my babies, I was asked, uh, do you think you have postnatal depression? Which is a very different question to how are you? Because Mm -hmm. the answer for me personally was no, I don't think I have postnatal depression. But that didn't mean I didn't need to be asked how are you? And it didn't mean I wasn't feeling really low or like I couldn't cope some days. How are you can get forgotten. And it's such a simple question. Well, how are you puts the attention onto you and, you know, the culture around motherhood is about self-sacrifice and we often disappear. You know, you become, how's mum doing? How's mum doing today? That used to drive me completely mad. You know, I have a name. It's written on a piece of paper in front of you and I know you're super busy, but I need to feel like me sometimes. And when your body's changed and your day-to-day has changed, you know, if you work and you're not working at the moment, you used to go out a lot in the evening with your partner you're not doing that at the moment and you will again don't worry it will happen um but that change of identity that shift can be really destabilizing even in really positive experiences and so for someone to say how are you kind of reminds you that you're still there um and that you can say oh well actually today i feel terrible today you know i feel really terrible or i'm actually today's a really good day everything's going well but last tuesday it was just you know and sometimes women will say, you know, I've had times where I've wondered why I did this. I've kind of regretted it and regretted having this baby. And then I feel so guilty. And that's really normal. It's really normal at three in the morning to think, oh, why did I do this? It's not all, you know, straight linear progress. You know, there are those difficult times. And how are you gives you that space to say, yeah, I'm still here. I'm in there. I'm emerging. This new version of myself is emerging. And so I'd encourage people to do that. If you've got, you know, if you've got a friend who's, you know, who's had a baby recently, if you've got a colleague to take the time when you've got 10 minutes to listen, because you've got to listen to the answer. (laughs) You know, there's no point saying, how are you? And someone goes, oh, I'm okay. And they go, oh, great, great. You know, let them sit with that silence and wait for the next thing they say. Because, you know, if you... If someone asks how you are, your instinct to say, I'm fine. But if you give them 10 seconds to think about it, they might say, well, I'm fine, but actually my back hurts a bit today. And, you know, I was up last night rocking the baby a lot and it's a bit, I'm a bit tired after. And there you go. You've, you've allowed them to say the thing that they needed to say. And when you're very in it, it's all very well messages like talk to a friend, 
go for coffee, get out the house, go for a walk. When you're really in the bad day, none of that is possible. And it was a common theme in the questionnaires that people felt that they weren't asked by midwives and health visitors. And of course, this is not all, but this was a theme in a few that they, for whatever reason, there wasn't a connection with their health visitor or, or midwife and they felt a bit dismissed and some felt a bit told off. Like, well, hang on, why aren't you sitting trying to feed in the chair? Or, you know, you shouldn't be doing that in bed. Or There were messages that people thought, okay, so I'm not asked how I am and what I am doing isn't right, I'm failing. What can someone do? And I'm struggling to to know what this answer is because it's obviously not an easy answer or we'd all do it. But if you haven't got that friend to say anything to and you're too scared to voice it to the midwife, who can you say to ask me how I am? Or how would... What's your advice around that? So it is tricky if you're feeling isolated and you haven't got people who are the right kind of people to ask those questions and listen. Um, I mean, there are a number of groups like the NCT have helplines. So there are people you can ring and these people are trained in listening and you can ring them with practical questions or you can ring them and say, you know, I'm feeling pretty low today. That's why the Samaritans exist, so that you've got someone to ring to talk to and chat. And and women who do have new babies do sometimes ring the Samaritans just to have someone who's a good listener if they haven't got a partner who's a good listener, if they haven't got family who are good listeners. And sometimes it's nice to kind of have a stranger listen to you. You don't want the baggage of the partner or... Absolutely. And I think a, a stranger... You're not so worried about what a stranger thinks of you. So you can say the things that lurk sometimes. And sometimes you need to get the things that lurk out. I remember wishing that we had a shed in the garden that I could put the baby in, in the middle of the night. And thinking, this makes me a terrible mother. I wasn't going to put the baby in the shed. But there were just those moments where I thought... I just wish, I don't want her to, you know, leave, but I just wish I could just pop her in that shed at the bottom of the garden and then I just couldn't hear her for a bit. There is a helpline for people who've got babies that cry a lot. And I don't know the number offhand, but it's um, pretty Googleable, mm-hmm. um, And you can ring that if you have a baby who won't stop crying and you're finding it really difficult. But a lot of people use online forums as well. So there's pros and cons to spending time on social media and on on, on forums. But actually, um, if you can build a community of support online and you've got somewhere you can post. I was on a thread when I was pregnant on Mumsnet that was a due date thread. And I'm still friends on Facebook with some of the women. I've never met them, but we're still friends. We all had babies at the same time. And we would sometimes go on there and post at three in the morning when our partners were asleep and say you know I'm really tired I'm feeding is anyone else up and there were people who were up and because we didn't know each other so well again we could say those things that felt difficult if social media is making you feel bad you know switch it off but actually it can be a really great way of forming connections with with people who um, will listen to you um, without judgment if you haven't got anybody in your day-to-day life. And also that is what, you know, if you are feeling really low, your GP is there for that. Your midwifery service is there for that. Your health visiting service is there for that. It can be patchy. There are, like in any profession, some who are better at listening than others. But if you don't see the right GP the first time, if you don't see a health visitor who's someone that you want to talk to at the baby clinic the first time, go back. Wait till you meet someone who listens to you um, and, and, and addresses what you're, what you're feeling because that is their job 
They are there to look after you, not just your baby. And it's important to remember that. So it's almost like we all need to inject ourselves with that confidence of you have a right to speak for yourself. You do matter. Even the mother is geared to thinking, no, 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 the baby is the priority. It is hard to see yourself in this picture. It's very difficult. And I think if it's difficult for me um, and I'm used to advocating for myself, I'm used to um, speaking, I'm quite good at arguing, but I have found it difficult to advocate for myself in healthcare settings. It's not a setting that often makes you feel powerful. You're in someone else's territory. There's language you don't understand. They're wearing a uniform. You're not wearing a uniform. Um, That's a situation in which you feel... You feel very rushed. Yeah, rushed. You're down the hierarchy. You often forget the things that you wanted to say. Were there any self-care tips that, that work for you? And again, no one size fits all. Sense memory is really helpful to me, and particularly smell. So, you know, when you smell something you haven't smelled since a particular moment in childhood and suddenly you're back there. Um, Smell is so evocative. So when I have done relaxation, whether it's listening to a kind of um, hypnotherapy track or just listening to some calming music and doing breathing, um, and I did that in pregnancy to prepare for birth, and I always burnt the same oil a a kind of mixture of lavender and rose geranium and so when I was in labor I put that oil on it because the smell of it I just associate it with relaxation and it now has the same effect to me and I just have to have a little whiff of it and I instantly feel calmer so if you if you're someone that responds to smell you might be someone that responds more to a particular kind of touch or to a particular music but if you have if you can get your senses involved then it can be a shorthand to feeling calmer and relaxed and doing something you enjoy whether it's music having a bath reading a magazine eating something really delicious consciously in a way that you this is for you this is time that is for you I think is really important and also staying away from the things that make you feel bad any social media accounts you follow that make you feel stop following them you know, anything you're doing that you can avoid that has the opposite effect on you do avoid it you've got plenty of other things in your life at that at at this time really good tips so what changes in postnatal care would you like to see happen in 2019 i think the most important thing is that there are more midwives maternity support workers and health visitors it's midwives have come into the profession a caring profession they want to give you really great care they just don't have enough time so there needs to be investment as in money put into postnatal services and then the specialist services like um, perinatal mental health looking after women who've had tears during um, birth who might have need some follow-up care um, feeding support those specialist services um, also need to be invested in um, it's all very well saying to women we encourage you to breastfeed which is very much the message a lot of women get in pregnancy but if you don't follow that up with some support services then um, you're really just torturing women I, I think it's you know it is a torture to say you know we we advise you do this thing but when it comes to it we're going to make it as difficult as as possible so I think feeding's 
services for women however they're planning to feed their babies actually I mean you know, learning how to to mixed feed um, learning how to um, bottle feed your baby whether it's breast milk or formula milk those things require some support so having those specialist services there and then I think continuity of carer so if you get to know your midwife or small team of midwives through your pregnancy if one of them can be there when you give birth and afterwards it makes an enormous difference Um, and they can help you spot whether you're just in the category of women who as we all do have bumpy days or whether you are finding it particularly difficult for a reason and they'll be able to help you because they know you and you, you will have built a relationship of trust with them. What other kind of cultural norms in other countries have you learnt about or seen in action that you would just love the UK to borrow and steal and put in place? One of my very first doula clients was um, born in China and her family still lived in China and her mother came um, over from China when she was giving birth. But one of the reasons she was there was to provide postnatal care and support. Um, And so the woman that I was working with did observe um, 40 days of staying inside. I don't think she enjoyed all of that, I have to say. She found it a bit claustrophobic, but actually the idea that there was a dedicated period in which she could rest, that other people would help her feel nourished, that they would cook for her, that they would look after her body while she recovered, um, and that she wasn't expected really to do anything apart from exist, eat, and look after the baby, is something that I think is really something we can all learn from. Um, everybody's very different. I would have been incredibly claustrophobic staying inside for, for for very long I love I love being outside but I was able in my second postnatal period to spend a lot more time resting to stay in my pajamas all day uh, setting that intention to, to go back to bed more and to build in support because I knew what it was going to be like so that I wasn't having to do as much um, work around the house I wasn't having to do as much um sort of work work even even though as a you know a freelancer it, it, maternity leave can be a bit difficult but I I knew what it was going to be like so I had that support built in so that I could do very little for a small period of time and that's something that I think should be more common there's a lot of expectation on us to bounce back emotionally physically and with our to-do lists and be back doing the school run two days later and that's not necessarily right for a woman. For anyone listening who actually very seriously feels that they were failed in some way, I know personally I have a a friend and still to this day she never went back to the hospital or spoke to anyone about it and I think that's a common story. So if you've had um, an experience giving birth that wasn't okay for you, that felt bad, that, that felt as if control or decisions were taken away from you or you weren't treated kindly, first of all I'd say it's not okay that that happened to you. It can be quite common, but it's never okay. And I'm sorry that it happened to you. You might find a lot of support from going back to your hospital. They often have an afterthought service where you can go and meet a midwife or a doctor and talk through your notes. And I think if you're just feeling a bit concerned about the birth, if you feel like you can't quite remember it, you'd like to know what happened. There's a few lurking mysteries, then that can be a really good option. Okay, so it doesn't have to be a big, trauma you might just have some questions that would settle something in your head absolutely I mean lots of women have a birth that was 80% great but 20% of it like I just don't know 
why they gave me that medication. I, I don't remember that bit in transition. Why did I get out of the pool? And I keep thinking that if I hadn't got out of the pool, then this wouldn't have happened. And you can go back to the afterthought service and, and, and get them to explain what happened from, from their perspective. Look at those notes. Um, you should be able to do that really any time after you've given birth. But the, the first couple of years um, after birth, and those notes will still be easily accessible. And if you're pregnant again, you might not have thought about the birth until you became pregnant again. But it's very common that becoming pregnant again triggers some questions or thoughts. If you feel, if you're someone that really has found it very difficult to move on from the birth you've been crying you've been dreaming about it maybe having flashbacks and feeling anxious then actually there's some suggestion that going back to a birth afterthought service might not be the first port of call for you that it could talking through it again in detail if you're traumatized could re-traumatize you and there is a really great network um, called make birth better run and um, by um, perinatal psychologists and campaigners and they've got a, a, a map on their website that shows you all of the birth trauma support services that they know about in your local area um, and it may be that if you um, if you see your gp you might be able to access some um, professional support through the nhs and if you're unable to there are lots of private services available um, because if if you're having symptoms that are really distracting you making your life difficult um, then it might be best to see someone who's trained and expert in birth trauma rather than talking through those notes um, as a first port of call and finally if you want to make a complaint some people want to complain you know, if something has happened to you and you think, I don't want that to happen to anybody else, um, then um, Birthrights, um, the human rights charity that I um, help found, um, has a fact sheet on our website specifically about how to make a complaint that talks you through that process. Um, you might decide you just want to give some feedback and you might decide you want to make a formal complaint. And there's, there's information, advice about how you can do that on the website. A lot of people mentioned, why did no one tell me this I think I would have been I think I would have coped much better if uh, if uh, my antenatal classes uh, some of this had been mentioned or my friends had discussed that I would have to sometimes breastfeed every hour and the sleep deprivation you know that women are still 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 feeling unprepared Mm -hmm. there is a bit of a culture of secrecy around around this (laughs) what should we all be saying because we don't want to scare our friends and our neighbors and our sisters but also the expectation thing is out of whack. It's a very difficult balancing act. I spent the last couple of years um, working out what to put. I wrote a pregnancy guide um, called Your No Guilt Pregnancy Plan. And one of the things I wanted to do in that was ensure that women are well prepared for the realities of pregnancy, birth and afterwards. But there is a balance between giving a full, complete picture of everything that could possibly happen to you and not terrifying women. Um, Because actually lots of women have very positive experiences. Lots of women have experiences that are in the middle. Um, Some women have really difficult experiences, but most of us have, have a blend. So I think we absolutely should treat women like adults and we should offer them a range of stories. So I think it's really good to share your experiences in a non-sensational way. But if you're someone that had a really, really, really difficult experience, then you might want to make sure that your other friend who had a really great birth tells their story too. I think once we normalise 
the vast array of experiences in birth and that's really important another thing is that often pregnant women aren't you you can tell them about what it's like but they can't take that in it's very difficult to imagine what it's like having a baby until you have had a baby so you can say you'll be up every hour you can talk about consuming love you can talk about guilt you can talk about fear but it's a it's a big experience so I would suggest that if you want to help somebody feel prepared what you do is you make sure they know where to get that support they know you're there for them you do some practical things to help them and you be that person who asks how are you and when they say oh I'm not that great actually then you can remind them well do you remember I said it might be like this and I had this experience and I found this really helpful be there for them at the time because you can't imagine it until you're in it Um, and if you're the person that shows up with you know um, a curry um, to be heated in one hand makes them a cup of tea and listens to them that can be transformative that was Rebecca Schiller. Uh, Thank you so much, Rebecca. I encourage everybody to visit her website. She's got brilliant links, great resources for the postnatal period, for breastfeeding, suggestions for books. So yeah, check it out. It's www.rebeccaschiller.co.uk. And that's Schiller spelled S-C-H-I-L-L-E-R. And also you can find her on Instagram at rebecca.schiller. As always, do check out the show notes as well on iTunes for the links, the links to Birthrights um, and Dooley UK and many more. Yeah, that's all up there. Thank you so much to everyone who's been in touch and everyone who's supported and listened to this podcast. It means so much. It's been a real labour of love and I really would appreciate your help in spreading the word. Tell any of your mates about to have a baby or people who've had a baby in the last year or or few years and encourage everyone to subscribe rate and review and to all those people who have already done that a sincere thank you to each and every one of you it's really helped and I hope anyone struggling in the postnatal period that this series has made you feel a little less alone and normalized many of the common issues that so many of us experience when you just had a baby Yeah, so this season I met a psychologist, yoga teacher, osteopath, doula, but there are many, many more questions and more people to talk to. These six episodes just scratch the surface, so please get in touch with more suggestions of experts and more FAQs. Uh, The website's www.postnatalfaq.com. Tell me your story, tell me who you want to hear in future series, and also any suggestions for sponsorship or funding we're looking for sponsorship to fund the next season so do get in touch with any ideas you can also follow me on twitter at abbyholic this is the last episode of this season we hope to be back soon if you missed any of the other episodes do revisit them check them out and finally a little disclaimer if you are struggling with any mental or physical issue post-birth please like all the experts I interviewed have said they all really stressed to go back to your doctor your midwife your health visitor see your GP and and tell them face to face what you're going through and thank you all very much for listening Postnatal FAQ was produced and created by me Abby Hollick 
with music by Ian Kellett, mixed by Mike Halley, additional research by Leanne Nickel, web support by Daniel Benalil, and social media by Rosie Stofer. It is a Square Dog Media production. Thank you.